so today's episode is so episode five yeah reptile boy the only episode in series two that begins with an r yes we found out yes. very recently yes the first time <laughs> the first time the first time we've seen anyone recognize that so that's a that's a totally exclusive buffy fact for you <laughs> <laughs> so episode five, Reptile Boy, in which a frat house becomes a predatory snake demon cult. Yeah, yeah. Now we're back in series one territory we here. We very much are, yeah. In, not, mm. not in. I mean, it's not series one in terms of how it's produced, but it's series one in terms of here is the thing, and mm. here is the very closely related thing it's a metaphor for. Mm. It's a very clear metaphor in this one, which doesn't mean it's a bad metaphor. I think it works very well. No, and it's the kind of metaphor that it couldn't really have approached in the first series of Buffy, which was less... I mean, series two starts to get more mature. We definitely start to see sex Mm. enter more Mm. as a a sort of a thing in series two. Yeah, I mean, sex exists in series one, but it tends to take the form of, like, praying mantis sexy egg laying paper mache fertilization monster sex uh so in terms of foreign titles i have to say pretty across the board this time was reptile boy uh or something like snake boy lizard man you know it was all it was all kind of some combination of like kind of lizard animal plus male human right I have to say I'm not a fan of this episode title at all. Well, so do you not think so? The last, do you remember what the last episode was called? Inca Mummy Girl. Right. So you had Inca Mummy Girl, Reptile Boy. Is there a little bit of a yin and yang? Is there a little bit of a a Jungian oh, a Jungian dichotomy? You know, female sexuality as the danger, and now we've got male sexuality as the danger. What do you think? I think it's just really nah. I think it's just really lazy titles. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. So did it- Italy, because Italy <laughs> called it Festa Macabra, which means macabre party. Much better, much yeah. better. And Italy are top of my naming thing just now. Oh no 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 no, no 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 Japan. No? Okay, Japan sorry, wins sorry. this year. The Japan Japan wins. Oh sorry, this episode. Uh because Japan Japan does not fucking hold back. Japan is called, or the, 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 the transliteration is, Disgusting Boy. <laughs> and I, I would just like to thank Japan for, for, for just going straight to the point, not holding back and letting us know what it thinks. So, so Italy wins for the poetry and, and Japan wins for the, the directness. In every other way. And, yeah. and English and all the other languages that went with Lizard Man, Snake Boy, Reptile Boy. You all lose. You all lose. So, Sadie, what are your first notes here? Um, so we've got the Scoobies watching some Bollywood? Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to find out which Bollywood film it was, but um, I've had a very busy week, listeners. So I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's a real Bollywood film or not. No, it is. I don't think. I don't think they would have filmed a fake Bollywood film. Like I don't think. Oh, I don't yeah, think they yeah, knew guess. that many people of color to be able to even fake that. It's a. <laughs> but the whole. <laughs> the whole plot they describe. Do you think that's made up? I no. This is why I wanted to look it up because I was just a bit mm. like, 
some of the plot that Willow describes seems like something that could be in a Bollywood film, but then and then it just goes off, and I'm it's lost it's lost plausibility. I don't think that's a real Bollywood plot, and that's why I wanted to find the mm. film because I wanted to verify whether maybe that is a real Bollywood plot, or at least it's like a misunderstanding of one. Surely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Willow is very very cute in this scene. My favorite um Willow moment is when. They're like, oh, we don't have any money. So, you know, we we have nowhere to go, no money to spend. And Willow's like, oh, we could sneak our own tea bags into the bronze and ask for hot water. So I have a memory of like me and you. I don't think we've done this, but is there something <laughs> to do with like you doing this in the doublet or something? Or or maybe you're just giving Did, free I mean, cups of tea. In, maybe you just gave I us free cups of tea. I worked in the doublet. So I wouldn't have had to sneak in my own tea bags. But like... Yeah, I don't think we've quite done that. But I think, yeah, possibly I just gave out lots of free yeah, cups of tea. Yeah, I think maybe you just gave me free cups of tea. That was maybe it. Um, <laughs> my favourite Willow moment in this particular scene is when he's like, I thought that was her chiropractor. And then Willow was like... Because of that thing he did with her feet? No, that was personal. So then we go into the school, right? Where mm. Cordelia is talking to one of her cordettes. Mm-hmm, about how mm-hmm. you must always laugh when a boy talks to you. Like this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very... And then the, the weird thing about it is that um, I actually give Cordelia more credit for, I guess, for dissembling. Like, you know, I, I, I feel like that fake laugh actually rang a little untrue because I feel like Cordelia is actually very good at fake laughing. I feel like in this episode as a whole, Cordelia is uncharacteristically vulnerable yeah in a way that i didn't really uh buy because i actually think Mm. that cordelia cordelia already knows quite a lot of the stuff that they make her verbalize in this episode as if it's like a new thing you know Mm. and um although Mm. it is a very heavy cordelia episode which i was very happy about yeah and therefore yeah but like yeah like there are kind of moments in this episode where cordelia is really kind of like treated in a way by guys that i don't think she would let herself be treated like yeah which isn't which isn't just us blandly being like cordy deserves better but like i feel like everything we've learned about cordy Mm. lets us know that she is she's very much in control and she very much knows how to work like everyone she meets so do we think that in that case the fact that she sort of she kind of lets herself be taken for a bit of a ride so she the moment i'm thinking of in particular is when there's the boy that she's flirting with and the boy's like you can only come to my party if you bring buffy because i fancy her yeah and cordelia just goes along with it is it something to do with the fact that these guys are are like rich because she seems really into them being rich yeah yeah like is she willing to like let is she willing to pretend to be more vulnerable than she is or something yeah and maybe even when she's teaching her cordette how to laugh she's teaching her a flawed method she's teaching her how to laugh fakely because that's a good point cordelia is not going to let them know her the depth of her own skills she's like oh this is how you fake laugh ha 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 so she's telling her this is what you need to follow but then again she's not going the full way and telling her everything she would need to be able to do it to the same level that Cordelia does. That is my explanation for why she does the bad fake laugh. That's a good explanation. She's telling her friend the rules she must follow, 
but not mm-hmm. to the extent and not with the amount of detail that she herself knows. And in doing so, she's also giving a little invisible wink to the camera in exposing the ridiculousness of what women are expected to do by society. Yeah. And, in order and, to... And just constantly confounding us when we think that we know who Cordelia is, do you know? Yeah, she keeps us guessing, she keeps us thinking, yeah. she's got layers, and I like that about her. So um, then Willow and Buffy are walking down the corridor and they're chatting about Angel and a dream that Buffy had about Angel and Willow is being like so teenage in a way that's very like her like how excited like how vicariously she is excited about Buffy's dream about Angel and she's like oh my god you're perfect together apart from the fact that you're not um Willow is just (laughs) a really she's a really lovely friend she's such a lovely friend to be so genuinely invested in her friends exciting things that are happening like, there's yeah. no hint in all this of Willow being, like, jealous or being like, oh, I don't have any hot, sexy romance going on. She's just completely invested in wanting nice things to happen for yeah. Buffy. And then they're all like, oh, you could ask him for a coffee, go on a date together. Um, and then what does she say about coffee? It's not a date. It's just a hot caffeinated beverage. But it is hot and bitter like a relationship yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and like that way yeah um and i i, I just a little a little production note this is a this is a hall of sunnydale that we are not often in oh yeah yeah you don't with the, the door in the background and like the window and stuff we don't often see this hall i just wanted to to point out one of the lesser the lesser seen halls of sunnydale um uh and then cordelia's reading teen time Mm, the magazine mm. she's reading is Teen Time. Did you notice what is on the magazine cover? I did not. What's on the magazine cover? It is uh, presumably a teen uh, mm-hmm. girl holding a fishing rod. <laughs> and and I zoomed into this and then me and Jamie had like a really big discussion like Teen Time? Like, is, was fishing, like, a teenage hobby in 1997? Is it, like, yo-yos? Like, like what? I was really, really confused that Cordelia would be reading any any magazine that had, like, a teenage girl fishing on the cover. Um, and I think, I think really the title cute. said something like, How to Land Fish, and I couldn't figure out the rest because it was very blurry. But, um... The particular issue that Cordelia is reading has uh, presumably got some uh, long feature about about fishing. Uh, and also dating tips, right? Yeah. She's reading dating tips. Yeah, yeah. She... So it both gives you, well, what's actually some pretty bad uh, relationship advice and also tips on fishing. How to land fish and also land men. That might have been it, actually. Land a, a rich husband. <laughs> and then, and then the, these these uh, rich frat guys pull up in their car, who Cordelia starts talking to. Literally cruising the high school to pick up children. Do you remember our days at university when we used to go to local high schools to pick up children? I, well, no, no, because no, because we didn't do that, did we? But I remember <laughs> being children and like 20, yeah. 21 year old guys cruising. Who were those people? Yeah. I never, as soon as I was 21, I was like, 
who were these 21 year olds who went out with high school kids because like because they're not even just high school kids like they are all still 16 uh mm. we know that because buffy turned 17 xander refers to the 60 last 16 and a half years uh so we we are supposed to assume that willow was the same age as them so they are all 16 year olds 16 and also the guy says oh i was a freshman except that i'm a sophomore um, which means that he's a second year university student, which means he's probably like 20, 21. Um, mm. So, yeah, just, 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 yeah. But I will say that um, that actually lent a air of credibility because I would say that in Donegal, that was, that was definitely quite the thing, except it wasn't the school. You'd go to the, yeah. you'd go to the, like the, the nightclub thing and like sit in the car park there or whatever. Um, yeah, there was a lot of like, oh, somebody's big brother's coming to pick me up in yeah. his car, and he's got a car, and he's twenty one. It was it was a really cool thing when we were sixteen to be dating someone who was twenty one or twenty two or even much yeah, older. Yeah, and it's it's one thing from it's one thing from the sixteen or seventeen year old perspective. From that perspective, yeah. it seems really cool, and then <laughs> from the perspective of someone who's twenty one or twenty two, um, it's like. Who are these people who can't get people their own age? Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't even... Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Who want to date children. But um, another thing about it is that the guy that's like not the nice guy, even though they're both terrible, but you know, there's like the one who's like seems like he's nicer, but he's not. So he's he there's like the one that's into Cordelia and there's the one that's into Buffy, right? I have to admit, I... I, c- I never managed to tell them apart. Well, one of them had them like apart. kind of sandy hair and the other one had like short brown hair. But anyway, the sandy haired guy, uh, he uh, reminded me of Army Hammer, uh, who's... What's Army Hammer? Army Hammer's like the guy in Call Me By Your Name, the like the blonde. Oh, one. And then the it. problem is that I watched it the same day that all those texts came out about Army Hammer. Have you seen this? No, I have not. Well, you don't need to. I'm not going to tell you about it, but I would imagine that most people who are listening have probably seen these Army Hammer texts. Okay. So it made me even hate him even more than 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 I hated him already, just from what the episode was giving me. Um, and yeah, my notes just say Buffy is still eight, sixteen, and then the next note just says I hate this, which I don't know what that means. I don't know what that refers to. Probably just the whole the whole premise, the whole the issue it, it grapples with. Um, Oh, and I know I'm I think it, I think really it's the chat. On... I think it's the chat with Buffy where he's all like, "Oh, I'm like 21, but I'm also shy." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's very like, "Oh, I'm just oh, I'm just not very sure of myself, except I totally am." And then and then the yeah. way Buffy falls for it felt like kind of uncharacteristic because because we haven't talked about the fact that she can tell Angel where to go. Like she has a lot of maturity mm. for Angel. She can tell him like she's much more mature with him, but then mm. so it, it feels kind of out of character when she's with these boys, with these stupid mortal boys, to be like, oh, mm. you know, yeah, totally stuff, oh, stuff. So this is also very much like a Buffy and Giles episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Giles has is sort of laying the responsibility on Buffy. Um. Giles really hammers home if we needed a reminder that Buffy was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Like Giles is actually talking to her like, like he's she's a teenager and he's an adult. Yeah. In this in this scene, which really reminds you. Yeah, yeah, and it is it is very much an early Buffy thing. Like you know, I think as as the series goes on, 
mm, their relationship becomes more kind of, of equals and even adults, and, e- and yeah. even one where Buffy is like the one who you know appears to know mm. more than Giles or whatever. But but yeah, she's still kind of. It's not that she's still learning, but Giles still sees her as someone in a learning capacity. Um, but mm. what I loved is when he just kind of walks and he's like, I'm going to attack you. And Buffy just makes minced meat of him. Mm-hmm. I have two questions. Ask me them. So one is, does Buffy have natural slaying abilities or is it all about the training? Okay, so um, I think... Slayers have uh, superhuman strength. We know this. I'm sure mm-hmm. you know that. Okay. But I think what comes into that is also reflexes, mm. which even if you didn't have like amazing training, having like enhanced reflexes would mean that you're, you know, you're able to uh, react faster, mm. which I think would make a big thing. I don't think you. I don't think you inherit, you know, like kung fu or taekwondo abilities. Mm. Um, uh, just just when you get activated, I think it's more just like you have strength, but you have reaction time, and therefore you can probably pick up these things quite fast. So it's a combination of nature and nurture. Yeah, yeah, it's a combination. Yeah. Very okay. Good. What's the second question? That's what I thought. My second question is: How does Buffy's shift patterns? How did Buffy's shift patterns work? Because there's kind of an implication here. That she doesn't patrol every single night, right? Because right. that she's not. There are no plans for her to patrol this particular night in question. And then they're like, "Oh, there's something afoot. There's this bloody bracelet. So Buffy should patrol tonight." So that's like a decision that's being taken. Yeah. So she doesn't patrol every single night. Does she just patrol when they think something's going to happen? Or I am so glad you asked this question. Because I found out that this is mm. one, it's the first episode where it is referred to as patrolling. Oh! In in previous episodes, it's realize. referred to as hunting. I did not realize that. I know, that. I didn't realize that because, you know, Buffy and patrolling goes so well together that you yeah, just sort yeah. of, you, you hear it even when it's not there. Mm. Um, so it's always referred to as hunting until tonight. and And this is also possibly the first time it seemed to claim what on the site that i found this is possibly the first time that you start to see regular patrolling like once it gets named as like patrolling this is the first time you see buffy just being like okay every night i patrol okay like every night whereas before she seemed to just go when she needed to do a particular thing from now on it's like okay well it's your job you need to you need to patrol like you're like the security guard of Sunnydale so actually the reason I've picked up on this is quite an astute observation because her shift patterns are changing yeah you're very astute yes Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm glad I asked that I feel very clever are you going to be prepared if a demon springs up behind you and does this what do you think of the gravestones in the graveyard did you see the one that's like a crazy pyramid yeah, it's like an actual pyramid. It's like a fucking a small pyramid. It's like an but... Illuminati thing. Can you? So, um, I don't actually like. I want to be cremated and scattered somewhere. But could you build me a pyramid at the place that you scatter me? Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the so I don't know enough about the graveyard in Buffy, but I'm pretty sure it's like a graveyard that exists in L.A. somewhere, and like 
lots of people maybe fill them there. Like lots of It's a real graveyard. I think it might be a real graveyard. Wow, because it doesn't look like what my understanding of what graveyards look like at all. So I mean it kind of does, but it looks to me like a really stage setty graveyard. So it do- does that mean that the graves we see are real people's graves? Like is that pyramid someone's grave? I don't know because well, I mean it's LA, so it could be. Um Because there's also Well, I mean Sunnydale's not LA, but it's filmed in LA, presumably. Because mm. I also like spotted there's all the gravestones are just a little bit odd. So there's like a really brutalist one that says mother on it. I saw that one, yeah. Yeah. In big letters, and it doesn't have like a name or any dates or anything. And then there's another one next to it that just says dad. And again, it's like this really brutalist style. So maybe that is just how people in LA do their gravestones. Mm. So I'm only basing this on the fact that I watched um, Blackwood meets Buffy. Do you remember um, Richard Blackwood? Was that his name? He was a presenter mm. in like the early noughties. Okay, sure. Um, I don't English that. presenter, and he did like an interview show where he did like an hour with Buffy, uh, with Sarah Michelle Gellar as she was filming, and they were like going through the graveyard, and the graveyard looked like a real graveyard, and I believe that, I believe that's maybe a graveyard. The thing about it though, like how many TV shows or movies do you see that that have as many graveyard scenes as Buffy has? Mm-hmm. So. Mm. You could conceivably use the same graveyard in like a million Hollywood shows and mm. never notice because the graveyard is only in like one episode every two or three series. Mm-hmm, Whereas mm-hmm, Buffy, mm-hmm. it's in like, you know, every episode. So, mm. but I have a feeling that's a real graveyard. I don't know if they're, if the, because uh, I had this thought, I was like, if that is a real graveyard, is that someone's real grave with the pyramids? Yeah, but like then maybe they're maybe it's a real graveyard, but they're like it'd be a bit weird to have like real people's gravestones with their names and stuff. So just put. So then maybe they just put some kind of fake ones at the front because the fact there's no names, and then I was like, well, is like, does it say mother on one side and then it says like this person's name on the other side? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's odd. You just don't tend to get a gravestone that just says mother. No, no. But maybe there's like a plaque at the bottom. I, I, I don't know. Um, we're we're going to have to visit know. so we can yeah. um, open, I guess, like our uh, our Kickstarter for for flying us over to LA when COVID's over to visit the graveyard to investigate this. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the bottom yeah. of this at some point. Oh, Buffy, it's like we're sisters with really different hair. Um, so the, the next scene is Buffy in the classroom mm-hmm. and uh, they have been learning about trends in the labour force 1960 to 1980 something that's that's mm. what's written on the blackboard uh, which is you know I'm, I'm glad they're learning about that like, that seems like quite mm. an intense thing to be learning about in high school but you know I'm glad they're teaching them um, and then Buffy or uh, Cordelia comes in Mm. And Cordelia kind of drives it home with Buffy that she really wants her to come to this party. And she tells Buffy that she's not allowed... Buffy, when she sort of... She, she says to Buffy, so she's... Uh, so she tells Buffy that Buffy can, Buffy's to go to the party, but she's not allowed to wear black or spandex yes, yes. or her, any of Cordelia's trademarks. And then Buffy just, like, fucking does. She turns up wearing black. I know, and Cordelia doesn't wear any of the trademarks she told Buffy about. No. She wears this sort of... Yeah, I was of, quite proud of Buffy sort of, to be like, I'll go to your fucking party, but I'm wearing black. Sort of... Wait. What? That was our guest presenter, Jamie. Yeah, he's pointed out <laughs> that um, 
as Sadie has pointed out, that Sadie, uh, that Buffy wears uh, black, which is one of the things that that that, that Cordelia is. and Cordelia wears um, like she is a waitress in a Chinese restaurant in 1997 that doesn't have any Chinese staff. Yes, that that, that is the kind of outfit she's wearing. Um, <laughs> Or she, I think in 1997, I might have had pajamas a bit like that. I think like children's pajamas <laughs> were kind of in that style quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Time. Buffy's outfit is, has aged a lot better. Um, mm. And also you do notice, so there's been like two scenes now where you see these sort of drink drive posters. Mm-hmm. So one is when Buffy was in the classroom, you could see a poster that said, some learning difficulties develop overnight. Which I don't. Oh, I feel like you. I one. feel like you can't make that poster today. Um, and then it said, "Don't don't drive drunk." And then and then another one. I can't remember. I think it says something like, "Not all people. Not everyone who dr- drinks and drives dies." Yes, yes. And then you've got this person with like a scarred face. Mm. So this is. Um, I, I mean, obviously, we've seen quite a lot of posters for like. Uh, <clears throat> don't smoke uh Mm. you know we've seen quite a lot of very 90s posters that you would imagine being in a school but i think there's a significance in this episode because the significance is very much that one you know drink is bad because buffy does end up having a drink which is spiked right Mm. so it's that kind of like drink is bad but it's also kind of about like sort of consequences do you know like Mm. it's very much it's an episode about kind of like growing up and these consequences of these decisions you make or whatever uh so so yeah i didn't think it was an accident that you like zoomed into this like kind of poster that's warning you about like drinking and driving this happens so often in 90s uh teenage telly that somebody's like should i have a drink like i've definitely seen this in at least a couple of other things where it's like should I have a drink shouldn't I have a drink and then they decide to have a drink and then the drink is spiked and it turns out really really badly because the drink was spiked yeah and I'm guessing that's because they can't show what realistically happens when you have one drink which is that very little happens and you maybe just feel a bit nice yeah I mean we've had like three drinks tonight already and and we're fine. <laughs> and nobody nobody has collapsed at the end of a bed. But I suppose if you want to like drive home the point that drinking is bad, yeah, then it has to yeah. involve catastrophe. But like realistically, mostly when you have a drink, it's not a spike. So, so and you don't get tied up and fed to a snake. Makeup, makeup. Well, give it your all and keep to the shadows. We're gonna have a blast. Okay, so yeah, Bu- uh, Cordelia is telling Buffy everything she needs to do and everything she needs to not do. Uh, she also has this burn to Xander. Where, well, for, first of all, Xander does his usual insult to Cordelia, which is to infer negatively that she is a sex worker. But this one specifically has a very 90s reference to pagers. Yeah, and a, not a spreadsheet, like um, like some sort of... Uh, he mentions some sort of like book, like a... Like a note, like file of facts, file, or yeah, something, something like that. Mm. He, he mentions some sort of physical, you know, uh, date recording uh, device. It's just a real piling up of nineties details. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Cordelia snaps back and she's like, "Oh, you could be rich and famous." And then she goes in Bizarro World, which which Bizarro World is not just like sort of a Americanism. Like it's a very specific 
I don't know about it because I don't know about comics, but maybe like a Superman thing or something like that, where there's like, yeah. there's like, oh, and there's like the Bizarro world. And then like there's all these comics that happened in the Bizarro world and in the Bizarro world, everything was different. You know, the good people were bad, the bad people were good, you know, whatever. Oh, I thought it was just a way of like burning people. No. So usually whatever Cordelia says doesn't really get to Xander. Mm. But she says, oh, in the Bizarro world. And you actually see Xander's face drop for a second. And I think that's because, you know what? She's hit Sander where it hurts. She hasn't just... The fact that he doesn't have a lot of money. Well, it, no, like it's not, no, it's not the fact that he doesn't have a lot of money. She's used like a comic book reference. She's used as a Superman reference. Oh, that's something he knows about Bizarro World. Yeah. And she is like, yeah, in the Bizarro World. And, and then I feel like that's why his face drops. It's not the classism. It's the fact that she uses this specific comic book reference to insult him and he he does stop his eyes just stop for a second he's like i can't believe she used the bizarre world against me that's very astute of you mm-hmm. well done for picking up on that i didn't yeah. like i must be not very tuned into xander's emotions yeah. sorry xander are you are you in, are you <laughs> are you uh inferring that i am <laughs> <laughs> I just think you're very sensitive and uh, em- empath, um, what, whatever the word is. The diversity. You've got all the rich people and all the other people. This party looks terrible. I miss parties quite a lot. Um, I like. I really, and it, and it, it it says a lot that that despite how much I miss parties, I'm really glad I'm not at this party. And we've spoken so much <laughs> about like you know kind of in a tongue-in-cheek way being like oh yeah this high school's full of 40 year olds and that and saying that xander looks 40 but these guys really do they look like they're all dressed like assistant managers (laughs) they really like like they just don't look any way in any way like they could be uh college kids yeah but but is that just how college kids dress because it's not just their physical appearance it's not just their wrinkles it's also like and they're big beefy necks it's also like the way that they're dressed like is that how college kids so so in frat frat houses dress so this is quite interesting isn't it because one we don't really know about frat houses no at all like i have so so much that i don't understand about this episode because i just don't know what's a pledge what's a frat house like i know a little bit about what they are in a sense like they're basically like you have to be rich to be in a frat i feel like they're sort of like the masons except like on a smaller scale you know like one thing I really don't understand, we really do need to just, like, like at, find someone we can ask these questions to, like, because one question I have is, like, are, when you go to college in America, do most people join a fraternity or a sorority, or is it a thing you particularly do if you're a twat? Or or, or is it, like... Because they're all twats, like, like, none of them are, like, Do you have people. to live in the house to be in the frat, or... Yeah. Or the sor or whatever and um so so we we do know though this is a particular this is a frat for particularly successful right uh, or i say it's a particular like children of particularly successful parents so these are this is this is a rich frat for one right so they have like different ones for different people it's not just i do i do think they're supposed to you know like a bit like we had like the glasgow union and the qm you know but most universities in the uk just have the one student union yeah yeah so like at glasgow it's kind of weird because there's like these two unions and you kind of join one or the other depending on what you're into or you join neither because you think that's stupid yeah but like but like is that so so would you go to college in america like if i went to college in america now 
would it be like the idea you of you in a sorority? sorority is really funny to me <laughs> i think it is too but i don't really i don't know but like is there like is there a sorority for people like me do you know what i mean like is there like a sorority for girls that are into certain things and then a sorority where i would just find like who are people nice like women you? i wanted to hang out with <laughs> find them you <laughs> is there a sorority for people like us yeah but you probably wouldn't we'll be allowed we'll in need to start one would... yeah um i don't know i just yeah there's so much i don't understand about america i think as soon as i'm in it it's a fraternity because i think if, if if italian's like the other romance languages as soon as there's one man everything turns masculine <laughs> Like, really like it could enjoy. be like me and like a hundred women, and it would still be a fraternity. <laughs> and it totally would be you and hundred women. <laughs> <laughs> to my Argentinian junk bonds that just matured into double digits. But because the thing is, we do come back to this when when we go to college in series four, and uh, they don't dress as much like senior managers then, and they do not look as old. Mm. But I wonder if that's part of the sort of like this in this episode, we're supposed to be looking at these college students from the eyes of a 16 year old. So they seem so much older. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. So I think I think it's another question of subjectivity and perspective. I like that a lot. Yeah. But it is like a particularly twice sorority, uh, fraternity Fraternity, where like they are like because they're all like going to become like finance like people in succession. yeah yeah and we assume that all of their dads have already been you know uh fucking uh, sacrificing women to makita for generations or some shit you know uh-huh. because that's why when makita dies all of their um all of their business seems to, seems to collapse and stuff yeah you know yeah, yeah um yeah. so Xander comes in through the window, which feels kind of excessive. It didn't feel like he needed to come through the window. No, he's just having a nice time, yeah. though. I feel. Um, and then the the sandy haired guy is like, "Oh yeah, when I was young, I wasn't into grown up things either." Yeah, and this is when he's trying to get Buffy to have a drink. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's 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 awful how accurate it is. Actually, mm. like it actually is a very, very sort of accurate. Like it's a little on the nose, but it is also very accurate about how how you can be manipulated into doing things. Yes, definitely. At that age, you know. Definitely, and now, and now for me. Um. So the thing that stuck out for me, uh, apart from Xander having terrible dance moves, uh, mm. no, no, sorry, it wasn't dance moves. I think his moves were the moves on the women, where he's like, "Gar, I'm Godzilla." It's like oh yeah oh he does do some terrible dancing too but I that's think. later when he's like made oh, okay. to um yeah no I think it was particularly his his cheese seduction of the women was um quite grown really yeah. ah but but then so Buffy's outside with the nice guy you can't see because it's a microphone but I'm doing inverted commas with my fingers um and then we don't really think he's a nice uh, we don't guy. think he's a nice guy but then the other guy comes out the sandy guy who we know is an asshole and then he's like well, hey. My junk bonds in Argentina just came through. So, um, I don't know enough about this on like an economics financial level. I'm not an economist. My brother is. He could probably do better at this. But um, Argentina went through a, a really, 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 really bad economic 
um, crisis in 2001. Uh, like the entire economy collapsed in like a really catastrophic way. And to, to see this guy in like 1997, 98, you know, just a few years previous to this being all like, whoa, my junk bonds in Argentina came through. I was like, you are the reason. You are the reason. This speculative capitalism that you're making money off is the reason that Argentina had to go through that, had to go through. And it's like really marked the country. Like there was incredible um, emigration and immigration and and like, you know, they went through like however many presidents in, in like a month. And do you know, like it, it scarred the country in a way that like it's still there. And 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 I have to say, yeah, just, just this guy being like, oh, my Argentinian junk bonds. Um, you know, for our also, listeners, I have pers- he... I have family in Argentina. This is why I'm so angry. Um, I'm angry at this man because because it's his fault. He... It's his fault. Yeah, and was he checking his electronic mails at a party? Like how in 1997? Well, yeah, I guess not. Maybe there was like a phone a line that you called and you were like, "Hey, how are my hum- how are my junk bonds doing?" Oh, probably. It was probably a, yeah, it was right. probably a phone line that cost like you know one dollar twenty a minute or something. Gross. Okay, so yeah, uh, they find Xander, uh, they realise he's an interloper, so they dress him up like a sexy lady and make him dance. Mm-hmm. Make, they make him a, they're like, new pledge. Pledge. So pledges, uh, what's your understanding of what a pledge is? Literally no idea. So my understanding is a pledge is someone who wants to join a frat and you test their loyalty by making them degrade themselves as much as possible. By dressing in drag. That's quite degrading for boys in a frat house in 1997. Oh. Like, you know, within within that social group, it's degrading because it can be used as, as leverage over them, which is exactly why they theoretically made um, David Cameron fuck that pig, right? because then you yeah. have that the thing is if you make so this is this is the thing like when david cameron theoretically fucked the pig when he was um whatever age <clears throat> that means everyone knows that and everyone has that on him and it makes everybody interconnected uh so that everyone always has the stuff over everybody else and that actually makes the group stronger because that means that they have to raise everybody else up so my understanding of pledges is if you make everybody do all this kind of degrading inverted commas with my fingers stuff that um you then have that over them and someone has that over you and someone has over the you and through that uh degradation you are all bonded to each other like rats with their tails tied together yes exactly like rats with their tails so it's a way of it's a way of um strengthening the group bond uh to an extent that it can never quite be broken because if you break it uh, they have pictures of you, you know, fucking a pig or whatever. Mm, I see. Okay, I'm getting it now. I think I think it. that I think that is the psychology and the sociology behind pledges. But um, please, someone write in if if uh, they think I'm wrong. We're gonna get lots of messages from angry frat boys. <laughs> like, my frat's can you really imagine? Nice. Can you imagine? We won't do any of this stuff. It might. We could be completely wrong. Like, I would be fairly comfortable saying that I think there are some. Oh no, there's probably some there's there's probably some grand frats because there are probably some nice frats. Yeah, boys out totally. There. But but no, I, I th- there may even be some nice frat houses, some yeah. nice I don't know, ones with nice traditions yeah. where they just like 
you know, they just have drag nights because that's a fun yeah, thing yeah, to do. Rather, and not because rather than they because think they think it's, it's something that's degrading. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're going to live forever. You don't have time for a cup of coffee? My next note. So, at the frat party, has Buffy taken her drink? You tell me. I've got nothing before she takes the drink. <laughs> so, okay, Buffy's taken her drink. And she starts to feel woozy. She goes upstairs and lies down. And then there's quite a disturbing scene. Disturbing because it is dark in a non-supernatural way. Yes. yes. Where a guy comes in and, and just very, very, very realistic. Um, where a guy comes in and Buffy's lying on the bed passed out and he kind of starts to touch her face. This is the darkest we've seen Buffy be. Yeah, definitely, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're like, okay, quick flip to the supernatural side of this metaphor. Yeah, yeah. So another guy comes in and he's like, no, no, don't touch her. She is here to feed the demon snake cult person. Yes, to whom we serve. So, as we've discussed, not all fraternities worship a demon snake monster. And we'll get into the we'll get into the symbolism of that in a minute. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we will. But um, this particular fraternity does worship a demon snake monster called Mahita, and they actually cruise for teenage girls. So that they can feed them to the... De- I mean, t- t- to be honest, I think there's no specification that they have to be cruising for teenage girls in high school. I think the demon snake monster would presumably eat anyone. Yeah, but I think I think the point is it's very much like um, any kind of, you know, sacrifice. Uh, they tend to be... The idea is they tend to be young, attractive women, right? Like a t- Yeah, pretty much always. always. It's weird. Yeah, as we saw with Inca Mummy Girl as well, mm. you know? Yeah. What is that all about? They choose the most beautiful or whatever. So, I mean, they all taste the same. We all taste the same. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they are like, okay, we're going to feed these. So Buffy and Cordelia, and then there's another girl in the basement who's the one whose bracelet they find. Callie, I think. I think her name might be Callie. I could be wrong. Let's call her Callie, though. I think it's Callie. Yeah. So they're all there to be fed to the demon snake. Mm Mm-hmm. Who actually doesn't look that much like a snake. I don't know. He kind of does. Jamie didn't think he was a snake either. He's just got too many arms for a snake. Yeah, but he's got the scales and he's got like the little forked like tongue. Yeah, but like other kinds of monsters have scales. Oh, oh, oh. So here's me. Um... So I love to talk about uh, psychoanalysis as if I yes. as if I know anything about it because I know literally nothing. That's about what it. psychoanalysis is for: talking about as if you know something about it when you don't. Okay, so I'm going to have to applying a- it to fiction. I'm going to have to ask you to riff with me because you literally I'm going to literally you. know as much as I do. So what do we think about the basement and sexuality? Because in I it, the fact that they're down in the basement where this demon snake is and that's where like the whole sacrifice and sex and everything comes together and when the last time we saw this in the basement was with the was the, the sexy praying mantis older woman that's right which also happened in the basement every time they go to the basement something so i think that the basement represents genitalia yeah or like the submerged <laughs> 
the submerged. Oh, you're going deeper than me. Well, okay. no, no, no. I think, but, but, but it does. I think. I think that's why it's below. You know, that's why it's below. I think it's all connected. Mm-hmm. It's all connected. But you know, like it's like the submerged sexual urges, the undercurrent, the dangerous undercurrent mm-hmm. of sex that's like below mm-hmm. society. That like society mm-hmm. is built on this, and it's below, but like you can't escape it. You know. Like in Stephen King novels, where the 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 badness and the evil is like underneath the city, like in the sewers. Yeah, and in things. the sewers or the or the Indian mm-hmm. burial ground again. Those were in mm-hmm. inverted commas mm-hmm. around Indian. Um, and yeah, I just think this is now this is now the second time where we have like a kind of a, a sex uh, sexual menace in Buffy, uh, where the sexual menace takes place in the basement, which I believe is actually our sort of our in our psyche. I think the basement is our psyche. Good, I've never read like any Jung, but I'm sure that's what he says. Probably, probably. And also the sexual menace is a big penis. It's a big penis, yeah. Big penis, snake, snake penis. It's super. Snake, snake, Eve, Garden of Eden, penis. It's all coming together. Uh, yeah, no, no. So this is this is a very rich, it's a very rich text. Mm. I think we've really said all there is to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> say about that, though. <laughs> That was a, that was a very quick psychoanalytical reading. So my next note, which I I believe must be a spelling mistake, but it says "lovely lunch" from Giles. Lovely, lo- I really don't know what that's about. I'm sorry. Lovely lunch from Giles. Um, lovely lunch from Giles. No idea. No, no sorry, idea. guys. Um, so, so Giles is in the library with Willow, right? And they're trying to figure out who this uh, little bracelet belongs to. Is that correct? I love this. They've got this little half bracelet. Oh, oh, no. I, oh, sorry. You, you go, 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 go. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, go. It sounded like you really had something to say. No, I think it was lovely punch from Giles. Lovely punch from he does Giles. A very, he does a very good, like, punch like this at some point. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so you were chatting about the bracelet. So they're in the library. They've got this bracelet which just says the letters ENT on it. Yeah. Um, and there's just a lovely little scene of them trying to work out what the bracelet said. <laughs> so, like, they think that might give them a clue to the girl's identity, although, like, all the time we wear bracelets that say things like love. Yeah. And, like, you know, just the bracelet. It could be a brand. Like, yeah. It could be any old shit. It could be a, f- a they... music festival she went to. <laughs> They they seem to be trying to they seem to be thinking that it must be her boyfriend's name, so they're like went bent lemon, <laughs> and then obviously it could be more than one letter that's missing as well. Yeah. And then they're like Kent, and then they realise it's her school, and she has a bracelet with the name of her school on it. Like I don't really have any jewellery with words on it, but like I'm wearing a t-shirt from the hilarious sitcom Broad City that says four and three and two and one. Which I bought, so which it, I bought you. Which you bought yeah. me, which <laughs> you bought me. So if I went missing in a graveyard and someone found, like, the words four and three and they, like, it, they were able to piece the bits together to make four, three, that wouldn't tell them who I was. Um. So I need a, <laughs> this T-shirt. Uh, I'm actually wearing a T-shirt you got me as well today uh, by accident, oh. which is the one of the girl in the Professor Green video saying <laughs> "teabag to fuck." <laughs> I made that as well. I, I didn't just get you. I made it. But it does need so... to be drawn over again because it kind of. It does. I'll do that. T- I'll do that for you after lockdown. Unless yeah. you want to post it to me. Yeah. No. No. Lockdown's fine. 
but um yeah so if somebody found like even if they managed to work out what your t-shirt said they would just find that it said teabag to fuck and that actually to be fair that really would give them some clues to your identity because that t-shirt is one of a kind and they could i'm sure they could if they had like willow's research skills they could trace that back and find out yeah like this one, this one, you know, much as it is very special, I'm sure there's more than one copy of yeah, it. Yeah, no, I got it on Etsy, I think, so, you know. There you mm-hmm. go. So it would it would narrow things down. But anyway, they're like, okay, this is going to help us find out this girl's identity. And it does. They find out that she went to Kent Preparatory School. Which again, a preparatory they... school. What's a preparatory school? Well, so I actually know what it is in the Manchester area because I've been contacting lots of schools in Manchester recently. It's like a private school that's like a primary school like a a primary a private school. school yeah like a private school for little kids before so the idea is you go to preparatory school in england if you're very very fancy before you go to like um an independent school or public school or uh, well i think in the states you go to preparatory school before going to university okay i think again okay, it, so it prepares you for university school. so it's a different thing i thought it must be because i didn't think this was like a primary school kid uh lovely moment from willow here as she as she navigates all of the different responsibilities in her life the emotional responsibilities to buffy but also mm-hmm. the responsibilities to giles mm-hmm. and trying to figure out well she doesn't want to you know she doesn't want to 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 tattle on her friend but she doesn't want her to die either and there's just these. Mm, she's a people pleaser. Yeah. Like I relate, I relate with the, to this with Willow. Like I think both me and Willow are people pleasers and struggle to let anybody down, even if we have to let one person down in order to save them from being eaten by a snake. Yeah, or, it's like the trolley you know. um, dilemma, but with letting people down mm. instead of them being run over by a train. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, she does some great face acting, particularly and voice acting. Mm. Just, just being like, "Oh no, call Angel! You should call Angel!" You know, like it's, it's very good. But then she explodes. She explodes on Angel. She explodes on Giles, and she tells them both to back the fuck off, Buffy. Oh, it's so good. I love it. That's a great, I love it. A great little moment. Yeah, I love it both because Willow's being like badass and like speaking her mind, but also, yeah, she's just being a really good friend to Buffy. She's just a really good friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Starve a snake, lose a fortune. Boy, I guess the rich really are different, huh? So, back to the basement anyway. Uh, Buffy pierces the phallus uh, mm-hmm. with the sword. Decapitates it even, actually. She, she cuts it, but then we later see she's cut it off. And then, and then me and Jamie were chatting about the, the possible QAnon um, references. Okay. So, uh, one thing of QAnon is the whole idea that all these like rich elite people are like harvesting children's blood uh for like mm-hmm, adrenochrome mm-hmm. uh so they can i don't know live forever i don't know about you know. and then i was a bit like this is actually quite a QAnon thing because if you stop thinking of it like as in frat boys are looking for sexy young girls and you start being like adult men are feeding children to the snake demon mm-hmm. i was like well that's actually quite QAnon-y. that's that's like mm. that, that fits in with the whole QAnon thing um, do you think that do you think that it was Buffy fans that started the whole QAnon thing? Who who can say who can say the internet is a tangled forest? Do you know? Well, it's a tangled um, forest. So the next thing is when he says Xander, it very good. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Why did you? Oh 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 yeah yeah sorry that was it yeah yeah yeah. Um, we're in the bronze, and mm-hmm. the demons have been defeated. Unless you had any notes before that. 
No, no, no. The demons have been defeated. This good. So the very next day, Xander is reading the newspaper, and uh, justice works very fast against rich white men. Mm-hmm. I did not realize. Because I was under the impression that justice worked very slow and inefficiently against rich white men. Mm -hmm. But literally a day later, all of these boys have got consecutive life sentences. Well, you know, in the real world, (laughs) in the real world, but this is a magical world where we can do justice. Yeah. We can make justice happen. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, they've got consecutive life sentences. Do the cops in Sunnydale kind of know about the whole Hellmouth and like? Do you think they were prosecuted for demon servitude? No, 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 no. Because remember, we found out in the episode with Spike that the cops know. Oh, that's right, they do. So I feel like they're part of of keeping this under wraps. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then Angel turns up, and the thing that I liked here about Xander was when he's like Buffy, and then she goes Angel, and then Xander just goes. Xander. Um, <laughs> I like that. Is, is, a, is a very, very good moment from Xander. That, that was very good. Um, and then... So... Okay. Angel comes to ask Buffy for a coffee. Uh-huh. Can he be in indoor places during the day no 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 it's, so what... nighttime coffee but americans sometimes do drink nighttime coffee don't they yeah. that's the thing so wait wait he can be indoors during the day but but when willow says coffee she says coffee some night like she specifically right. works that in that it yeah. should be nighttime now nighttime i couldn't coffee. have a coffee at nighttime. Although I suppose if I was a vampire and the night was my mm. morning, I could have a coffee. But if I was mm. Buffy in this mm. situation, I would have to order perhaps a chamomile tea, maybe mm. maybe a rooibos with milk. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I would say I'd have a decaf coffee, but you know, in 1997, decaf coffee wasn't very good. It's, it's much better now. Yeah, and decaf coffee does kind of like give me a little bit of a placebo kick. Yeah, same. Like Same. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I'd feel like going to sleep just after having a decaf coffee. Mm-hmm. But then we don't know so... about the physics of Angel's body. Whether like caffeine, like we know that alcohol has an effect on 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 vampires. We don't know that yet, but we will know that because mm-hmm. we will mm-hmm. eventually see Trump mm-hmm. vampires. But and stuff. we know we know from Buffy's point of view. So I think Buffy <coughs> is possibly gonna be sacri- She's gonna be making a sacrifice here, where she's willing to do it for the sake of it being mm-hmm. a thing that you do on dates. But that girl's gonna be up all night. But then again, she has her patrolling to do. Which which is one of her. It's one of her new responsibilities to do. to do nightly patrolling. So maybe the maybe yeah. the coffee actually might suit her. Yeah, oh, poor Buffy. Yeah. She must be so short and sleepy. Yeah, she really is, and she says it like, "Oh, the the, the five minutes between seven and seven o five that belong to me." Like we start to yeah. we start to really, you know, in the last episode with Ampata, we're like dealing with Buffy's responsibility, and then in this yeah. episode as well too. Like you know, the the whole like responsibility end of things is something that actually in quite a lot of the episodes in series two we're only like about uh five or six episodes in and quite a lot of them Mm. have dealt with the fact that buffy has a responsibility as a slayer um less in a mystical way that the first one did and more in just sort of like a what that means for the demands on her you know yeah yeah um i'd be so grumpy if i was buffy and then, so so they decide that, okay, maybe they'll have a coffee. And then Buffy's just like, yeah, you know, I'll let you know. And then she just walks away from her friends right, okay, who she was okay. sitting with. Wait, 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 wait. So, so my notes at the very end here just say, 
it cut out before the end. So my 4OD that I was watching it on just stopped. Just like a couple of, like, just a few seconds before the end and I couldn't get it going again. So... So I didn't know what happened at the end. So she, so she just walks away. Yeah. The, do, do you see her walk away? No, no. I was going to speculate wildly about what I thought happened next. Oh, no. So she, so he says coffee sometime. And she's like, coffee, coffee. Okay. And then she goes, yeah, sometime. And then she goes, I'll let you know. And then just walks away. Like she just walks into the <laughs> night. But like, but like she's been sitting there happily with her friends. And then the angel. Having what looked like a coffee. Yeah, exactly. And then, she, and, then she, and, then she, and then she just walks away from them. And if I was in Willow and Xander, I'd be like, where the fuck's Buffy going? Like, <laughs> like I mean, That's so uncool. Yeah, like it's just you know, I, is she just going to the toilet or has she like has may, she paid maybe the bill? she's going to the toilet? Maybe she's going to pay the bill, you know. But um, it was very baffling. Just I like to think that she was just leaving to be cool, and Willow. I mean, Xander probably doesn't get it, but I think Willow gets it. She's just like, I'll pay Buffy's half of the bill. She can pay me back later, yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, Willow totally but, like, gets it. She's got, um, she's got to look and cool. it plays the same song that played earlier in the episode while she was dancing with the nice guy. Fingers are happening. Um, where it's like, she bends, she breaks. I don't know if I'll have to pay license just for singing that, but anyway. Yeah, um, they're gonna come yeah, after gonna us, come after I think. Us. Um, so, so anyway, it's like a call back to that song, but you know, but this time she is the one who is is bending as a, she's she's actively bending, and she is breaking uh-huh. something else. Whereas in the in the original scene, it's more like she is being, being bent, bent and she is being yeah. broken. You know, so now she kind of has her agency. Yeah, so in this so she moves from the subject to the object uh, while using the same song, which I think is very innovative. You're on fire today. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. 